You have an enemy that is trying to destroy you, whether you acknowledge that or not. The devil is real, demons are real, and they don't like you. There are too many Christians who just don't really think there's actually a devil. Aren't really sure that there's any of this dark spiritual stuff going on, and that sets them up to not protect themselves. And that's very, very dangerous. What we want to do is not be naive to the spiritual battles that are going on, but also to not be paranoid. Because I see people go too, too far on both directions, just completely oblivious and then, you know, there's a demon behind every door, and, and they're just scared all the time. Well, that's a disaster. We're not supposed to be paranoid, and we're not supposed to be oblivious. We should be ready and know how to deal with the situation. So, let's look at what the devil does. Then, we'll look at what the Savior does. Because if we understand the first one, then we can understand the second one. So, what does the devil do? One thing he does is he prowls. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting verse 8, says this. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking someone to destroy. Let's go back to verse 8 and take a little closer look at this. Be self-controlled and alert. Who's supposed to be self-controlled and alert? We are. Why? Because you have an enemy that doesn't like you, that's trying to destroy you, and you need to pay attention. That's what this is saying. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy. Whose enemy? Isn't that unpleasant? I don't want to have an enemy. I don't want to have an enemy like that. But the truth is, we have an enemy. Satan tries to hurt us, and he tries to get us to turn from God. He's trying to hurt people to get them to turn from God. So he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now there's hidden good news in that verse. Did you know that? There's hidden good news in that verse. The hidden good news is... That the devil doesn't just get to devour whoever he wants. In fact, he has to look and try to find somebody that he can devour. It isn't that he just can blow up the whole earth and he can take care of it in one swoop because he's so angry at humanity. He has to look around and try to find someone who has a chink in their armor, who is susceptible, who he can attack and destroy. He has to prowl around. That means that you don't have to be one of those ones that he may devour. You can learn the skills to be able to avoid that. You can hold up the shield of faith. You can do the things that we're going to learn about here in just a few minutes and protect yourself from the enemy because he can't just take out whoever he wants. That's good news. And then verse 9 again. Resist him. Who resists him? We do. You don't get to pray, Jesus, take care of the devil for me. You're the one that has to deal with the devil. You're the one who has to do the resisting. You're the one who has to go to battle. You resist. You be alert and self-controlled. It's your responsibility. Now, these attacks, so stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So this was uh, a common occurrence, very uh, universal in the church. I think in this particular case, it's primarily talking about persecution. 
So this can take the form of persecution. It can take the form of physical uh, problems like with Job, family problems, various different types of attacks. But the devil's purpose is to drive a wedge between us and God. That's what he did with Job. The devil attacked Job to get Job to hate God. That was the whole purpose behind what the devil was doing with Job. And so we need to stand firm in the faith in the midst of this and realize that the devil prowls. Also, the devil schemes. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. So he prowls around, and this is the devil himself or any of the demons. You know, there's a variety of different types of uh, levels of, of dark, evil spirits. Any of them prowl around and any of them scheme. Ephesians 6, starting verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Amen. I just, I'd like to read that verse again because I like that verse, especially when we're talking about issues like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In whose mighty power? In his mighty power. So yes, we do the resisting. Yes, we are the ones that have to be self-controlled and alert, but we don't stand in our own strength. We stand in God's power. Again, we'll explain that a little bit more uh, as we go. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the devil will scheme and we are to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand. Very important. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So verse 11 talks about the schemes. Verse 12 is our battle is not against flesh and blood. So what is the primary scheme that the devil uses? We've already talked about him trying to drive a wedge between us and God. And now here... Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so the scheme is to get us to hate people, to get division between people, and that's the primary scheme, is to get believers in fighting and hating the outside world. If we're fighting with each other and we hate the outside world, then we have fallen into the primary scheme of the devil, and that's a disaster. So the problem isn't people... We fight for people, not against people. But the problem is the devil. We fight against the devil, against spiritual forces of darkness. So Satan tries to lie to us and fool us. This can include pitting people against each other. It can include temptation. You know, the the devil will try to fool us into succumbing to doing things that we know we shouldn't do. Just like with Adam and Eve in the garden, that's how that started out. He fooled Eve, says she was deceived. Adam wasn't so deceived, so he's much more guilty in that situation than Eve. It can be confusion and things like that, these schemes. And often the prowling and the scheming are interwoven. So the devil will try to hurt you and confuse you at the same time. Isn't that a bummer? Come to church, get all encouraged, full of faith, ready to take on the world. (laughs) You have an enemy that wants to hurt you and confuse you. That's not so good. But here we're going to make the turn. Your enemy is no match for your Savior. Amen? Your enemy is no match for your Savior. Some people think that we've got God and the devil and they're duking it out and we'll see who wins. The devil is a created being. 
a subservient being to God. The devil is not on the same plane. It's not an evil God. The devil is a created, you know, smaller being from God. God is all-powerful. The devil is not. God has all the omnis. The devil does not. And so God is more powerful. It's not even a fair fight. The enemy is no match for your Savior. Now let that sink in and let me ask you, do you really believe that? If you believe that, then you will have strength to be able to face your enemy because you know that your Savior is greater than your enemy. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when we know that the devil is a defeated foe and that we have the victory, we've read the end of the book and we know how it turns out and we believe to have that happen in our lives today, then we can stand in victory and fight it out and win. But here's an important dynamic. The devil may be no match for your savior, but you on your own are no match for your enemy. So we have to make sure that we get ourselves set up the right way. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, which is hilarious. I don't know how often you get hilarious demon stories in the Bible, but this is a hilarious demon story. And so we're going to go to Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 13. The point is very, very significant. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So these individuals had as their vocation to cast demons out of people. And they heard that the Christians were doing very well with this. And so they, they might have gone to a conference to learn how to do this. And then they came back home and they had all the pamphlets and all the little things. And, and they're like, oh, okay, well, Jesus is, you know, casting demons out in the name of Jesus is the most effective. It's the best practice that we have in demon casting out in our culture today. And so they're endeavoring to do that without a relationship with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, in the name of Jesus, who we don't really know, but we've heard is very effective in dealing with these sorts of things, get out. Verse 14, seven sons of Shiva, Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? (laughs) So, (laughs) in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and the demon says, yeah, Jesus, I know, and Paul has quite the reputation. I have no idea who you are. What authority do you stand in? What right do you have to invoke the name of Jesus? Verse 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So how did it go? (laughs) I just wanted to help and volunteer. I joined the prayer team and terrible things happened. Um, This is a bad scenario. But here's the deal. They were not under the authority of Christ, but they're trying to invoke the name of Christ. And so here's the deal. The enemy is no match for your Savior. So you must join up with your Savior and then resist the enemy. Then resist the devil. The way that I see it is... That I can say to the devil, you know, shut up and get out. And the devil will flee. We'll read about that again in just a second. 
And I think, oh, look at how awesome I am. But behind me is a thousand foot tall Jesus doing one of these, you know, and I'm just thinking that, oh, look at me. But it's it's the power of God behind me has nothing to do with my capacity to beat the enemy. It has to do with the power of God. So how do we get free from the devil's schemes? How are we able to win the spiritual battle? Let's go to James chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So this is very important stuff. What's the first step? If we're going to hold to this teaching, we have to submit ourselves to God. That was the piece that the seven sons of Shiva missed. They wanted a miracle from God. They wanted the power of God. They wanted to be able to fight off the enemy, but they didn't want to submit to God because their circles didn't believe in Jesus. And so they didn't submit. They resisted, but it all fell apart. First step, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So what does flee mean? It means run away. It means run away. Not just withdraw, but run away. Did you know in Christ you had the power to make the devil flee? Did you know that? Now, in the experience of the seven sons of Shiva, they got beaten up, ran out of the house naked and bleeding. They had a very bad experience. But here the scriptures say we can make the devil flee, but we must submit to God first. Submit to God, then his power is backing us up. We're not on our own, and we can make the devil flee. Now, there's hidden bad news in this verse. Now, there was hidden good news in the other one. What's the hidden bad news? If the devil's going to flee, where is he? In close proximity to you. So the devil fleeing means he's there. If you have to make him flee, it means he's there. Isn't that quite unpleasant? We resist the devil. Here's the simplest form of resisting the devil. Shut up and get out. Make it super simple. All right? You have something you know you shouldn't be thinking. Shut up. Get out. You have a temptation to do something that you know you shouldn't do. You say, you say shut up. And get out. Some people have more dramatic experiences with the enemy. Anytime I give this sort of a sermon, there are people that will come up and talk to me afterwards and say, yeah, I've been seeing things. And here's the deal. Shut up. In Jesus' name, get out. You can take your stand. You can resist the devil. So when we hold to this teaching, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee. What do you find out? What do you know then by experience when you do this? You find out that the devil will flee. It's an amazing thing. If you've seen Pastor Celia's testimony video along these lines, you'll find out and go, go on the website and find it. It's there. You can teach little kids to do this and they can make the devil flee. It's amazing stuff. So if you're one of those, because in good Christian Western civilization, we don't talk about the devil much. We just suffer in silence. It must be some British heritage or something. And we just think, oh, I must be the only one dealing with these things. Well, nope. But all you need to know is shut up and get out. And then there's one more step that we'll talk about in a little bit. So then we know we can advance. We can have power. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, we read that again. Let's look at this 
uh, in the same lines, Ephesians, I just can't not read this whole section about the armor of God. It's so powerful. We're talking about the armor of God here because we have to take our stand against the devil's schemes. And it's the same thing. The devil is scheming. So let's go to Ephesians 6.10 again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I just, that, I want that to be a life verse. Man, oh man. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So who needs to put on the full armor of God? Possessed people. Oppressed people. Christians aren't possessed. They can sometimes be oppressed. Look, this is for everyone to do. All of us are to put on the full armor of God. Christians, they like to use different words and mince words about all this stuff. And and all it does is confuse people. Everyone has a devil problem. Everyone. There isn't anyone who doesn't. There isn't anyone who doesn't have to put on the full armor of God. There isn't anyone who doesn't have to resist the devil and make him flee. We all are in that situation because he's all of our enemy. It isn't some special thing. It's part of the human condition. So, put on the full armor of God. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, I wish it said if the day of evil comes. It says when. If you've lived very long, you know there are days of evil. And there are times where you're going to be run over by the steamroller of this life. When the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. Hallelujah. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. All kinds of important stuff there, but let's go back to verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So what's the good news of this verse? Faith can extinguish... The flaming arrows of the evil one. What's the bad news of this verse? Flaming arrows are pointed your way. (laughs) That's the bad news. So here's the deal. Pick up your shield. Too many times, Christians just think, well, I believe, so I guess everything's going to get taken care of. It'll be, oh God, why do you hate me so much? The devil shot you with a flaming arrow. It says they're on the way. You have to hold up a shield of faith. Now Job, oh man, did he have a shield of faith. Though he was deceived by the devil. You know, Job thought that God was hurting him. Was God hurting him? No, the devil was hurting him. And even though he thought God was hurting him, he still said, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about God. He's my helper. I can't abandon my helper. He would not abandon God. But if we don't pick up the shield of faith, we get hit by the flaming arrows and then Satan will come and say to you, wow, you trusted God, didn't you? And look what he did to you. He'll turn it on God. Boy, God doesn't treat you very well, does he? He's not much of a savior. He's not much of a healer. He's not much of a deliverer, is he? If he ain't going to take care of you anyway, why don't you just come with me? I'll treat you way better than that. And all of a sudden, people are like, yeah, I tried Christianity. It didn't work. 
And then they just, they buy the lie of the enemy. It's very, very dangerous. So faith is a shield. Trusting God in the midst of any storm is a shield. Trusting that God will get you through it is a shield. But we must pick it up. We must hold it up. And then we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So how many Christians, what percentage of Christians need to hold up a shield of faith because they're in danger of getting hit by flaming arrows? All of them. Don't Again, don't be mincing words about oppressed and possessed and all this. All of us need to pick up a shield of faith. I remember as a young believer, I felt like my shield was like the size of a dinner plate and I'm out there trying to keep myself, you know, and I'm getting hit. As you learn and grow, your shield can get bigger and it can get stronger. And you can have one of those, I like in the Old Testament, they used to have an extra guy with the warrior that just carried the guy's shield for him because it was so big. It needed a whole guy to carry it. That's the kind of shield I want. I want to be in a tank, you know, not just this little bitty shield. Oh, have you ever been hit by one of those flaming arrows? Promise is we can extinguish those. That we can take our stand when the day of evil comes. That we don't have to be discouraged. That we don't have to feel abandoned by God. But we can still be in faith. So when the flaming arrow comes, when that darkness comes in, we say, no, get out. Then we've done very well. But there's one more extremely important step. And that is described in Matthew 12, starting in verse 43. It says this. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. So this story starts with an evil spirit coming out. It doesn't finish with that. It starts with that. Verse 44. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. Have you ever gotten free from something and then gotten bored and then got that thing back? It's not enough to don't do that because then you get bored. Especially if you're addicted to chaos, if you've got a spirit of chaos on your life, once you get free from chaos, all of a sudden your life is boring. And you got to learn to live an exciting, full life without chaos. And it's going to be a new thing. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So here's the deal. We've got to say to the enemy, shut up and get out. And then we've got to say, Holy Spirit, come in. Love of God, come in. Peace from God, come in. Purpose from God, come in joy of the Lord come in. We've got to receive good things and fill up every nook and cranny of our spirit so there's no room for darkness to come back. Fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to read a testimony from my wife, Trinette. I used her last week because she went from a sickly person that was occasionally feeling good to a healthy person that occasionally gets sick. But I never have to worry if she's going to show up on the weekend because she's always strong. She was a sick person. She, she's in the hospital all the time. Now she's a healthy person. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Listen to this. This is her. I know her. I was the non-Christian, but when I got saved, poof, I started following God, and she grew up in a Christian home. She's like, dude, you know, all things in moderation. But So all of a sudden, I was running faster than she was, and it's been neat to see her come along as time goes on, and to see her get free from so many things. Listen to this. 
This is my wife, Trinette. So it's a quotation from her. I was at a women's retreat that I had decided I was not going up for prayer at the end of the service. And then I looked around and saw the pews passing by on either side. I was moving toward the front, but I wasn't in charge of my legs at that time. I was able to talk with the main speaker and tell her things that I was struggling with and that I wanted to be free of. She prayed for me and said she felt like God was prompting her to tell me to read the book, The Bondage Breaker. I downloaded it to my Kindle that night and promptly waited one year to read it. I had tried telling Satan to get away from me, but I think that the bondage breaker showed me that I was shutting the door on Satan, but leaving the window open by not taking my thoughts captive. It wasn't easy, but I did it, and whatever was tormenting me left. I felt alone in my head for the first time since I could remember, and realized that whatever had been plaguing me had been doing so since I was very little." It tried to come back early one morning after I had let my guard down and not taken my thoughts captive the night before. I was half asleep and he tried to entice me back. He's not stupid. He knows that scary demons won't make you open the door to him. He puts frosting on the dog dew. He studied you and knows the tactics that will win with you. He knows your easy button. The man version of that is there's a hook in the bait. It looks good. But it's not good. So here she's describing, shut up and get out. Except maybe maybe just a little bit. Come over here. (laughs) Open the window. Shut the door, but open the window. We've got to take our thoughts captive. That's where the battle truly begins, is in our hearts and our minds. That's where we need to take our thoughts captive and win the battle. Say, shut up and get out. And then ask God to fill our hearts our minds with his good things, then we can get free. I want to reread Acts 19.15. This is the evil spirit that talked to the seven sons of Shiva. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? So that's the question for us individually. Who are you? Are you someone who just kind of is showing up and hoping something might work? Or are you forgiven, made whole, And now you're a child of the King of Kings. You're a child of God. You're a co-heir with Christ. You are someone who has learned to take their stand and to hold their ground when the day of evil comes. Are you someone who the enemy knows? One of the great lies that I hear over and over again in today's Christian world is that if you give your life to Christ, that the devil's going to wake up and get you. Let me tell you, The safest place you can be is in the will of God. Join the army of God. Get you a big shield of faith. Hold it up high because Satan wants to kill unbelievers just as much. I mean, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but he'll kill them too. Learn how to resist the devil. Learn how to hold up your shield of faith. That's the safest place you're going to be. Jesus, I know and I know about Paul. But who are you? I want the enemy to see a bunch of people who, oh, Robin's praying for that one. I guess I'll go mess with somebody else. Oh, Ruth is on that one. I'll go mess with somebody else. I want people who the enemy recognizes. Amen. I want to be someone that the enemy has heard about. I don't want to be someone who is a who are you. I can just beat you up whenever I feel like it. I want to be a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. I want to have a big shield of faith. I want to be strong. I want to resist the devil and make him flee. That's the promise we have. And it starts 
with submitting yourself to God, submitting yourself to the forgiveness that Jesus offers, saying, yes, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me of my sins. And then the next great step is wholeness, being healed, having spiritual healing can include also emotional and physical healing. That's fantastic. But then we're in and it's the beginning of our walk. Now we put on the full armor of God. Now we resist the devil. Now we go forward and we make a name for ourselves in God's power.